Earlier this year, Melbourne played host to the National Catholic Social Services Conference, the theme of which was serving communities with courage and compassion. During the conference, we caught up with the facilitator of the Plenary Council, Lana Chovey Collins. We're, we're now in the discernment phase of the Plenary Council, moving um, steadily but surely towards the First Assembly, but could you just paint a picture of uh, how long it's taken for us to get here and what's happening now around the country to keep people up to date with this Plenary Council? Thanks, it's a great question. I think you could go way back. <laughs> uh, at the turn of the uh, millennium, uh, our Pope wrote a document saying, uh, how are we going to address this new millennium mm. at the in year 2000? Uh, our bishops in Australia then took a period of really prayer, reflection, conversation, and for many years, more than 10, they uh, debated and discussed and got advice and prayed about, well, how do we respond? Now, 10 years might seem like a long time, but I think when so much change is going on and, and so much is going on in society that can go mm. very quickly, uh, I think 10 years is long. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but eventually the decision was made to actually have, in order to come to the final decision of how do we invite the church in Australia to take these steps forward, uh, the year of grace was called. Mm, and I so that was it. Yeah, it was a preliminary year of prayer in order to seek the grace for the wisdom to set the direction to have a council or a synod or whatever mm. type of assembly uh, to try and chart the path for the church in Australia for the way forward. Mm. So that goes way back. <laughs> it does. I had the privilege of working on uh, the Year of Grace for the Diocese back in 2012. Mm. Uh, and one of the things I remember is that people took took time to actually get used to the idea of taking a year of prayer. Yeah. That was a um, something to get used to. I I think it is and and I think it's countercultural. We we're, mm. we're such busy people. Yeah. We've got meetings to go to and emails to answer and you know voicemails to return and then we've got home lives you know kids and uni and study and work and budgets and you know mm. all that sort of stuff so taking time to pray or to to meditate or just be quiet or to think about mm -hmm. a question is very countercultural, and I think it's probably one of the best parts of our tradition really yeah uh, but that year of grace did then lead the bishops of Australia um, with a lot of consultation and advice from many others to make the decision to have a plenary council which is a fairly courageous one because it hasn't been held since 1937. Mm. We're not in the practice of having canonically connected, canonically guided uh, universal church processes in our country for our generation. Mm. Uh, and the first four were held sort of every 10 or 15 years. So they were a little bit more familiar. You know, it was in their living history. Uh, but... It also was a time when there were very few dioceses in Australia. We were yes. very much a mission territory, a new church. Yes. And so coming together uh, as, as the world expanded, really, um, to make decisions of, well, how are we best being Catholic in Australia, mm. you know, was something they did relatively regularly. Yeah. Certainly more than 85 years. <laughs> so I think... It's been a long time between drinks. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think to have a plenary council is a pretty courageous decision. Since the Second Vatican Council, it's only the third. Mm. So uh, the Philippines and the um, Polish church have had right. a plenary council. Um, uh, In and recent years? Oh, I think 
I'm not a historian, so that's a bad question for me. But um, the I think the Philippines one was about ten years ago. Okay. Uh, I might I'm probably going to be wrong on that. Mm. And somebody who knows the church, Peter Wilkinson or Ian Waters, is going to hear this and say <laughs> you should know this detail and possibly should. But the the not not in um, not in the way that we've have ha- are having ours or are preparing mm-hmm. for ours. So, uh, and also what I know about them was that they were singularly focused. So Philippines for Youth Mm -hmm. and um, Polish Church on Eucharist. Right. So our plenary council, which will be the fifth plenary council for the church in Australia, uh, began with this question that itself was discerned Mm. in response to prayer and I think grace. Yes. Uh, And that was what do you think God is asking of us in Australia? Yes. And that was a question to be thought about and prayed about and talked about by all people. And so yeah. we started that in 2018. Mm-hmm. So as a facilitation team, we began in tw- at the end of 2017. Yes. And so we joined with the bishops and the religious and, and the lay people who were already working you know, in the church. And we designed a, a, a process really to get mm-hmm. everybody to talk to each other and to build towards the assembly, the, yes. the, the event, the gathering uh, which will be held in October and also in June mm. 2021. So our job was really to uh, be architects of a process mm-hmm. that was decentralised and welcoming and engaging for all. You didn't mm. have to come to a capital city to yes. be a part of something. You could do something in your home. You could yeah. pray together and, and, and bring invite people in who hadn't been so connected with church, mm-hmm. you know, um, so we worked – there were a lot of people who worked pretty hard in 2018 to do that yeah, and I yeah. feel really grateful for that. Um, it meant that nearly a quarter of a million people were engaged in a dialogue about yes. what do you think God wants from us? And and it's a really hard question to answer. Mm. Archbishop Tim is always so articulate on this but he says it, it takes time to keep asking ourselves and yeah. one another mm. to, to really think, well, is that what I want or am I getting in the way of what God wants? Yeah. And even learning that, I think, is something we are still learning. Yes, it's. Been, I think it's been a fascinating process in the sense that uh, we've spent a lot of time in prayer, and prayer being the 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 center of what we do and, and all how we act. But getting used to that process of actually uh, listening, listening to what we hear in prayer, but also listening to others mm. and God speaking through others, and giving that space and time to let it sit and reflect on it. Mm-hmm. It really requires in in discernment there's something there's a part of it that where you are asked to let go mm-hmm. and and you need to pray for that you need to pray for you know God give me the freedom to trust mm. the leadership of your spirit in this process and it requires a letting go and I don't mean abdicating your responsibility or your mm. skills or losing your identity in that I mean that if you're in dialogue with people who are very different than yourselves. So uh, I am not the – I'm Caucasian, Irish, Celtic background, you know. So I don't have the experience of uh, Vietnamese cultural community Mm. or a Filipino cultural community or a Malaysian cultural community, but my three best friends do. Mm. And so we constantly having conversations where I have to – I put a point forward and they all go, what are you talking about? And, and then share their perspectives. Yes. And I, you know, they're my best friends, so I listen with an open heart and open mind and really love that they trust me with sharing yes. what they're sharing. But let's imagine you're in a situation now where the three people who are very different than you are also not 
particularly liked, mm. you know, uh, where it's it's uncomfortable and disconcerting or even just unfamiliar, you mm. know. It's not that you don't like the person, it's just that you don't know them. Uh, then, then having an open heart and having an open mind and holding strongly onto my position mm. is going to shut down the discernment process, it's going to shut down the transformative power of dialogue. Mm. And so in 2018, really, that's what those dialogue circles were about, trying to be with people who you may not know yet and get to know one another's story so that that bridge of, of connecting soul to soul, heart to heart can be built a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much harder to, to hate or to, to demonise you know, a character or a block of people or a position mm-hmm. if you know the human. You know, yeah, Pope Francis yeah. says you can't, you can't love the poor. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you, you have to accompany and be loved by and love someone who is struggling mm. and, and who is impoverished and who is vulnerable and, and that way you are transformed and they are too. Yeah. So that's what those dialogue circles were about. I find it uh, interesting that – so we went through that listening and dialogue phase, right. uh, as you were saying, for the majority of 2018. Yep. Uh, into, 2000, into 2019. Into, that's right. 2019 and then uh, we've moved now to what's known as the discernment period. That's right. Talk to me about this discernment period because for a lot of people after – you know, kind of, I guess, breaking down some of the barriers that it took to get to the listening and dialogue phase. They're a bit confused as to... Why we keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> and why are we also Absolutely. keeping on talking? You know? And I, I think, uh, in our, particularly in our Australian psyche, mm. you know, all of the multiculturalism included, we are very much uh, work hard you know, let's see some action kind of people. And so I think it's a, it's a natural critique, yeah. When we've got three years of preparation and we're still talking to one another, well, why? Some people, you know, just hurry mm. up and get on with it. And I think that's a really natural reaction. What I want to say in that is two things. One, the initial stage of dialogue was really the first, certainly in my adult faith church experience, um, it was the first time that we'd had a national formal invitation for all to come and share. Mm. And uh, Archbishop Mark Coleridge, uh, you know, affirmed and so did Archbishop Tim that everybody was invited to share from their heart. You know, it wasn't exclusive. Mm. Everybody is welcome to be in this dialogue of faith together. And so that, I think, when you do that for the first time in a country after 80 years of, of not doing it, then then it takes time for people to move past simply blurting out what they're angry about to get to the and next, and mm. next, and next. And then the deep stuff comes through, the really you know, beautiful golden nuggets of, wow, that can, if we run with that, that can be transformative. Mm. And that's what discernment's about. It's about finding the depth of the idea, the soul mm. of the, the critique is fine. That's excellent. We need that. But we need to also then say, okay, well, what contributed to that? And, and what's, what's joyful and good that we do already in response to that and how can we expand that and that takes time especially Mm. when you've got like you know millions of people living in Australia society has changed so much so to take the time then to move from just talking to then an act of faith of discernment was really important the second thing is that the discernment of the three the the whole council process if you like really began with dialogue and still continue. So it's not like we were starting from scratch. The dialogues gave us these six themes. So we started by asking, how's God, how's God, what do you think God is asking of us in Australia? 
And responses to that gave us these kind of focused six areas. Mm. Well, God's asking us to be a Christ-centered people, absolutely, first and foremost. You know, so many people wrote, well, can we just be like Jesus? Can we follow the way of Jesus? Go back to basics, you know? Uh, but then there were these six focused aspects that from the dialogues appeared, you know, they, they were revealed mm. by reflecting on people's responses in the dialogue. And so the themes of being a Christ-centered church that is missionary and evangelizing, humble, healing and merciful, so on and so forth, joyful, participatory, servant-oriented, mm. they came from what we all talked about. So it was a step in the process. But then so did the next stage of the question. So we moved from what is God asking to how. Mm. And, and so that's asking all of us to say, all right, well, we said, for example, in the dialogue stage, we said we would like, we think God is asking us to be better communities, to be more nourished in faith, to, un, to, to be more connected to our society around us. There were lots of those sorts of feedbacks. And so this is saying, well, to be Jesus people that are missionary and evangelizing, how do mm -hmm. we do that? So it's not about regurgitating and saying, well, we just need to be a better community. It's about saying, uh, in my place, I can get 16 people together once a month mm -hmm. for dinner mm -hmm. and we can have topics for discussion and that will build community. It's the very practical hows yes. that will ignite and nurture faith community and, and give us pathways to, you know, living out the gospel in yes. Australian society today. And that's something uh, that parishes have been doing. So although it's not sort of, it was moved from the listening and dialogue to the discernment phase and you've got the discernment writing groups who are working across the country Correct. and with representatives from across the country. That's right. But parishes uh, are also part of this and have been doing their own, list, um, not listening discernment. dialogue, but discernment groups. That's right. My own parish has, has been part of that and is now up to the sixth theme. So you can see that parishes still wanting to participate in this that's right and as you were saying earlier wanting to do something local mm -hmm. without having to wait for the end mm -hmm. before they act on something and that's exactly right this whole process has been designed to activate our baptism mm. really and and to realize that yes the council assemblies are important and and historically significant yes. moments in our in the history of our church they will be but so are every time a group of people get together to make a decision and act mm-hmm the the transformation in Australian society that has happened because small groups of people get together and they rely on one another and in our sense we rely on God, we rely mm -hmm. on our Holy Spirit to make a decision and then act, it, it is it has power beyond belief, beyond mm -hmm. imagination mm -hmm. really. And so it is it was very deliberate that in this discernment stage there are two parts to responding to your discernment and that is how do we respond locally and how do we think that we are called to respond nationally? Mm -hmm. And so those responses are actually now posted on our website. They've, they've been building each month. Yes. I think we're maybe up towards 3,000. I've Fantastic. lost count a little bit. <laughs> but each, around each of the six thematic questions, we have groups of people. And some, you know, we're still learning how to discern. Mm. It's, we are, we're in the very infant stages of becoming a discerning community. But... There, so some of the responses are simply regurgitating mm. what's in the dialogue reports, but that's okay. Mm. Um, some are very practical and wonderful initiatives and some have already taken action. Yes. Uh, and so that's really wonderful too. Yeah. The thing is that 
in accompaniment to the localised small groups that can happen anywhere and everywhere, we also formed six national discernment and writing mm-hmm. groups, like you mentioned, and they have been toiling away, uh, praying together and talking together. I know one of the six groups even had a Zoom meeting on Boxing Day. Oh, right. um, That's dedication. Been, they've absolutely been dedicated. And they have been receiving those discernment responses but also doing their own, you know, the 15 mm. or so people, mm-hmm. their own uh, discernment and have been writing uh, the six papers that mm-hmm. will be in response to the six questions. Mm-hmm. And so that discernment process and the small group process, is a not, it's not about cherry-picking from the dialogue report. It's not about saying, well, people talked about this and that's right or that's wrong. It's about the dialogue report being one source for reflection and prayer in discernment. Mm-hmm. And the other sources include scripture, church teaching, our living tradition, our beautiful rich history mm-hmm. of, of you know, res- being responsive to culture and contextualising our faith. Um, obviously social sciences, you know, and contemporary Australian society. And very importantly, prayer. Mm. <laughs> so those groups have really been uh, the church in Australia practising synodality because they have been going through this process and in those groups are Episcopal leadership, so there's a couple Mm -hmm. of bishops in each group. There's other um, male clerical leadership, so brothers and deacons and, you know, uh, there's religious sisters and women and consecrated life and also lay men and women Mm -hmm. of various ages. So it's been this sort of microcosm squished into 15 people. (laughs) And and in that there's been people with uh, very passionate ideas uh, and so there's been, you know, differences and, yes. and schisms and they have had to always come back to, and this is where the chairs have been fantastic, mm. come back to we are called to discern. So what do we, let's stop and pray. What do we feel most called towards? And so that's where the prayer for freedom really comes mm-hmm. into play in the process of discernment where you say, uh, you know, you rely on God and you. Ha- this is where discernment has to be yeah. an act of faith. Because you have to believe that in the group the spirit is working mm. and that God is leading you through. And so you, using that and relying on that and always coming back to that, these groups have been able to draft these papers. And the first drafts are due on Monday. So that's Fantastic. exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. I feel as if this is, I mean, this is the work of the church. It's the church now, but it's also, uh, as you were saying, it's years in the making. And it's also having the trust to be able to look forward and bring all our hopes and, and anxieties, I think, as, yep. you know, being a church at work in the world mm. requires that time to discern how we are being called to be in that in that space. And that's something that Pope Francis talks about so clearly mm. about synodality and, you know, a decentralization, if you like, of um, how we are living in Christian lives and being disciples in the community. So it's... It, each one, each person. Each person, that's right. yes. Now, Lana, I want to talk to you about some of the topics that came up in, or this is going back to some of the reports, mm-hmm. but I found it really interesting that formation was key, both for uh, formation for the laity, but also for the clergy. Um, formation, there was also the need for, um, a lot of the, the responses were around the church's response to society, so dealing with some of the societal issues, and it's quite um, we're lucky to be here now at the Catholic Social Services Conference. It, it fits nicely. But some of those topics, what has been some of the things that have surprised you uh, in speaking to people around the country? Uh, what other topics have been of interest and um, how are people dealing with those things in their local communities? The call for uh, formation, so ongoing 
learning and education came from actually a lot of aspects. So one of the things that struck me was there was this intergenerational aspect to mm. it that that older people, so you know my grandma generation, mm. 70 or 80 years old, 60, 70, 80 years old, they expressed in some of the responses either sadness or joy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. about the education about the Catholic faith that they'd grown up with being yes. passed on to l- later generations. Yes. Um, where it was sadness, it was a sadness that, you know, they didn't get the same teaching as us or not the mm. same opportunity and so how do I instill... They were seeking, mm. how do I help with this, you know? Yes. Um, the joys were some... Some I can remember being with some grandparents in, um, I think, uh, Ballarat, yeah, a- outback Ballarat, country Ballarat, and uh, um, and there were a couple of elder women who expressed great delight at the fact that their grandsons were bringing home paintings of Jesus from school and, mm. you know, they were able to tell the Bible stories and yes. things like that. So there's both in there. There was a lot of expression uh, from young families mm-hmm. about I, I want to teach my kids but I don't know or I feel like I want to participate in some sort of faith community but... If I go, then everybody's older than me or mm. somebody looks badly at my screaming kids or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Um, and so there were – in the sharing and the ways in which people yearned for formation, it was different. Mm. Which, But it came up often. So that says to me it, it needs to be a really big focus yeah. and it needs to be dynamic and reflexive and responsive to all of the different ways that we are family mm-hmm. and humans – in Australian society now, mm-hmm. um, because we're not we're not ghetto cultural Catholic attending mobs on a Sunday <laughs> anymore. You know, um, I can remember being in this great conversation with some Year Ten students, and they said, "Well, why can't Friday night be the new Sunday?" Mm. And so, it just it was their curious question. Yeah, now, yeah. I, I've you know, no jurisdiction on the matter, <laughs> but just to be clear, but it was a really interesting conversation because those young boys were quite open to participating yes. in the ritual of our mm. beautiful, you know, Eucharist yes. uh, and, and being a part of that and doing it. But they, they didn't understand why they were being asked to do it on a Sunday yeah. when they had sports games or yeah. whatever and that yeah. they didn't want – they still wanted to give the time. Yes. But they couldn't understand when we're in a 24-7 society why that couldn't happen. Yeah. So those conversations I've found really inspiring. Yeah. I've found the curiosity and the seeking and the yearning uh, humbling. Mm. Because sometimes it's filled with hurt. Sometimes it's filled with uh, sheer wonder, mm. uh, disbelief, uh, those sorts of things. But I do, I do feel that there is a great sense of wanting to belong. Yes. And, and be accepted and be loved yes. unconditionally. Yeah. So where it was tense or hard was when somebody felt rejected yeah. or excluded and that happened a lot more than I will ever be comfortable with. Mm. It's what keeps me awake at mm. night. You know, um, young mums who, whose partner had left them or um, elder siblings who had younger siblings and needed to look after them or yes. struggling financially or yes. just all the different life situations yeah. and yet they didn't think the Catholic Church was a place that would nurture them and mm. love them. And, and for me who has experienced the church as that, Yes, uh, that breaks my heart. Yeah, yeah. And so if we can have decisions at the end of this that help uh, the most vulnerable and that we um, 
share the beautiful parts of what we believe and why we believe it and we do that for the purpose of mission in Australian society, yeah. that will be amazing. Yeah. Um, which requires some hard decisions to be made and discernment is not comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, people talk about if I say that some people hear me say, well, it is a prayerful way of having conversations and coming to decision that links that doesn't disconnect us from our living tradition i've got to say mm. that that links us to our living tradition yes. and helps us step forward which the church has done for thousands of years yes that just because i can articulate that as a somewhat seemingly linear process doesn't mean that it is you know you can take two steps forward and 50 steps back it's a messy process correct yeah so we we need to learn how to do that well mm-hmm. and we need to stay in the gray yeah and yeah. learn how to be uncomfortably comfortable in the mess yeah you know yeah learning how to sit in the mess yeah and and i think to um to be positive about and hopeful yeah that this the mess doesn't necessarily mean that that's Mm -hmm. the end of it you know there is um we if we truly believe that the holy spirit is with us and and guiding us and as part of this process then you have to be able to sit in that messiness that's right yeah other topics that came up obviously are things like uh, if I was in a group in a parish setting, you know, on a uh, maybe Thursday afternoon, mm. there was large cries for where are the young people? We have to get the young people to do blah, blah. And if I was at something on a Friday afternoon at a school, the young people were like, we want to do this, but we don't have any forum. <laughs> so there was there is a, an intergenerational disconnect. Yes. Uh, there is great desire amongst the young but their vision is different than maybe what they think the church thinks that they should be thinking. Yeah, yeah. If that roundabout can yeah, make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, addressing that, I think, came up a yes. lot all across the country in many different places. Yeah. Um, in I had the privilege of attending the NATSIC Assembly, so the mm. National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Catholic Council Assembly, yes. which is held every five years, and it was a few days of unbelievable slow beautiful conversation Mm. and uh, it was a great privilege to be a part of and we had yarning circles and we had yarning mats outside and we we went outside and we'd come back in and reconnect and go outside again and some of the stuff shared in there was the same yearnings that I had heard in Mm. different ways from Australian people but there was absolutely a cry for um, wanting to see a uniquely Australian expression of our Catholic faith as a matter of the way we do things around here rather than just on NAIDOC Sunday. Yes. Um, And to find a way to be not always second class at the power decision-making table. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely present. Also, this is where I think our first peoples join with our young very Mm. much uh, in the the call for creation. So the integral ecology that Pope Francis writes about in Laudato Si was very present. And that's certainly a topic that's come up a lot as part of the listening and dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. The last topics that I found incredibly inspirational were a session with the prison chaplains Mm. and uh, my own personal encounter with a a young man, Maronite man, who, sorry, he wasn't a young man, he's a Lebanese man with the Maronite Bible study group. That's where I encountered him. And, um, And in those situations from the prison chaplain and this young man saying that the chaplaincy in our prisons is absolutely essential and mm. in the words of the young man it kept him alive yeah, yeah. and so uh the the perspective from that part of our m- 
you know, vu- really vulnerable, incarcerated society, yes. a, 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 a ridiculously high percentage of whom are our mm. first peoples, yes. uh, is absolutely essential. And so yeah. that came up. Yeah. And then the last one is women yes. and leadership. Yes. And I, at the beginning of this process, was often challenged around, well, you know, what are you standing up for, Lana? And, mm. and, and why don't you be more of an advocate and, you know, things like that. But I, I think by trying to do my role to the best of my ability, that's what I am trying to do. Yes. But I also am very aware and have become more and more informed over the last few years around the different ways in which women do lead mm. the chairs of boards the the trustees uh, you know of, of catholic health and catholic hospitals and aged care the school principals and mm. recs and all of that sort of thing but when it comes to uh parish church and yes. curia yeah that there is a yearning for more shared leadership mm-hmm. in that space mm-hmm. so all of those things came up and it's been a real privilege to hear it from so many different perspectives. And so my job has been to really connect where I hear one group speaking about a topic to, and then several months later hear another yeah, group yeah. to connect that. Yes. And that's been quite challenging, but I think that's what will bring fruit mm. for years to come, yeah. not just for these council assemblies, but yes. for years to come. I don't think these council assemblies will answer all of the questions that people want answered. That's not, I think, it's we're too big and we're too complex yeah, to... Yeah that to happen but i do think that we can put the the pavers on a pathway that set us in the right direction of of good um good things being nurtured and nourished the good yes. stuff that's already going on and grow that yeah as well as then stopping some of the stuff that is is uh needing to be stopped yes. and to move and change and be responsive in culture and learning the process to do so yeah this that's process right. of discernment yep. and um and getting a wider picture of church life in mm-hmm. Australia and how to live a spirituality in 21st century That's Australia. Right. Uh, Lana, I want to talk about the delegates. Mm-hmm. Um, we're heading towards the first assembly in October in Adelaide uh, this year. Um, the delegates I know are going to be, if you picked up the latest plenary post, are going to be announced uh, middle of March. Yes, that's right. Yes. And that's that's a very exciting uh, time. I feel like people are excited. We're getting towards that first session. Um, Talk to me a little about uh, this process for selecting the the delegates and also what people can look forward to once they are announced. Mm -hmm. The body of delegates is is made up of uh, canonically mandated, so people who are in positions and to have a council that is valid to make decisions that become binding for us and a part of our universal church process, uh, they have to be there. So mm-hmm. that includes, of course, all of our bishops. Mm-hmm. It also includes the superiors and congregational leaders of religious orders across Australia. So there'll be 48 of those, men and women, and it's mm-hmm. about a 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, Also the people who assist the bishops in leadership in, in uh, each diocese, so the vicar general and Episcopal vicars, most of whom the Episcopal vicars are sort of you parish priests, you yep. know, um, but they've also got a delegated responsibility mm-hmm. in the diocese to help help lead. Um, and then in addition to that is the people who lead our theology study centres around Australia, yeah. so the deans of faculties and things like that. Um, and then uh, we invited the bishop, the Bishop's Commission for the Plenary Council invited uh, each local church to then call from their local people, mm-hmm. uh, either two or four. So the metropolitan, the big cities, uh, bringing along four 
uh, to join the delegation mm -hmm. and the smaller places bringing along too. So they seem like small numbers and, and they are. You know, when you've got 300 people in a group, yeah. uh, what's important to remember is that the body of delegates coming from a place, which then will include, you know, men and women, clerics and lay, religious, uh, the body of delegates are coming from their local place, carrying their local story, mm. but with a heart and a mind that is open to discern with all of the people of God of Australia to, to, to finish this three-and-a-half-year discernment process, yeah. you know. It's, it's not this um, arrive on Sunday the 4th in Adelaide and start from scratch. Oh, look at the agenda. Let's make some decisions. <laughs> it's not that. There'll be deep preparation beforehand. My understanding is that all of those being called have been fairly closely connected to being in dialogue with people mm. in their local place anyway. And that's a real great gift because they are used to the complexity and diversity mm. that exists. They know that there's not going to be one single way forward that's going to be a silver bullet to solve all problems. They are uh, challenged to think creatively about how to come to that final decision. Yeah. So the body of delegates will be a group of people that we will need to pray for. <laughs> they, have, they are charged with this huge responsibility, really. But I think that it can't be more or less important than all of the roles of all of the people of God who are living and leading mm. their lives every day for those eight days mm -hmm. in the place that they're gathered. You know, like yeah. it... On that day, there'll be 15 nurses in an emergency department in a Catholic hospital that save 150 lives. Yeah. And that is got to be remembered, you know. And I don't mean to um, diminish the importance of the council assembly. It is very important mm. and incredibly historic, signific historically significant. Mm. But if somebody is sitting at home and saying, well, what was the point of me saying anything because I didn't get to be the delegate at the council, mm. then the process has not quite been understood yeah so i would encourage that person at home to think uh i t i spoke because i felt called to speak and i've been a part of a group that has discerned and together we have felt called toward a decision and we are acting based on that and that is us living at our baptism mm. and these 300 people are going to be at an assembly for eight days and then regather 10 months later and that's something that I share in by spirit yeah, because of how I am living. Yes. So I think that's an important message to carry through. Mm. At the same time, I think the 300 people definitely need our special care and prayers <laughs> because it is a moment in time. It is. It is a privilege. Uh, and how can people at home uh, take part in the assembly? Yes, I think that's a great question. The times during the plenary assemblies, uh, the council assemblies, sorry, when we will be gathered as plenary. So all, mm -hmm. you know, delegates, observers, advisors in the main yes. room together uh, will be streamed. And so we will in advance, you know, maybe six or eight weeks or something, as soon as we can get it organised, yeah. in advance we will uh, distribute kind of a guide, an accompaniment mm -hmm. guide, a little bit like the BBI e-conferences yes. uh, where you know that between 9 and 11 on Wednesday, mm -hmm. there'll be a streamed session. Mm -hmm. We'll provide uh, some platforms for interaction and discussion. Great. And, pardon me, also some liturgical resources mm. so that if there is 
time and space in that local parish or staff room Mm -hmm. or uh, uh, school classroom or whatever, you know, pub in Timbuktu (laughs) uh, (laughs) where people are interested and want to accompany the delegates and stay engaged for those eight days Mm -hmm. rather than just wait for the, you know, summary report at the end, uh, then there's definitely ways to do that. And so those guides that, that our team will provide will be sort of platforms and and doorways to to be able to walk through. Be part of the process. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Lana, today. And also thank you for the work that you've been doing since 2017, really. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much, Tiffany. I also, I I mean, I'm grateful for the thanks, but I do not do this by myself. Mm. There is networks of people all across the country, the local committee coordinators, um, the executive committee who've been wonderful in advice, the bishops, the religious, like just there are so many people who honestly I could knock off next week and yeah. there would be people who have vision, have energy, mm. have faith, passion who would carry this forward and that is a great gift. It's easy to be a facilitator of a process where there's lots of people who are in it with you. So yeah. I appreciate that too. And a wonderful example of church. Yes. Mm. Thanks, Thanks very Lana. much. Thanks, Lana.